Welcome to coffeeis.me podcast, where me means you, or more precisely, us. This is the show where your host, Valerian, without using any interrogation techniques, convinces coffee professionals to reveal their secrets to teach and inspire you to make better coffee and earn a few bucks on the side, if that's what you fancy. Let the show begin. Hello, coffee lovers. Welcome to Coffee Is That Me podcast. I'm your host, Valerian Hrala. Life suddenly feels real. No more holidays, no more slacking off. Time to create. I was wondering, how many of you are starting businesses this year? Hmm? Do you have an interesting idea you would like to share? Come to our Facebook group, Coffee Is That Me, and let us know. I'm sure our community would love to learn about what you do and perhaps even give you some thoughts on your idea, your branding, business plan, technology you're going to use, you name it. Even name, yeah, sure, why not? So come and join us on our Facebook group, coffeeis.me. By the way, I know why you tune in to this episode. Because you want to know who won the big prize. <laughs> Live on Periscope, my assistant and son, Bennett, selected the winner and the winner is Ta-da! Roaster Setup. Congratulations on winning the prize. Six month membership to coffeecourses.com, which is valued at $600, plus three coffees from Green Plantation Coffee. Value here is priceless. <laughs> and one mystery coffee, which might or might not be the coffee for my future venture here in the United States. I also selected runner ups. These are Newport Coffee and Henry Ken London. If Roaster Setup will not claim his or her prize until end of the month, that's January 2016, the next in line has the chance to win the prize. In any case, the runner-ups will get some priceless green implementation coffee. Let me give a big shout out and big thanks to Peter, the CEO, Roaster and all-in-one trooper of Green Plantation Coffee who suggested this idea and he is very excited to see your pictures of uh, our coffee bags in your homes, posted on Instagram, Facebook and all over the internet. Hint, hint. <laughs> so please contact me via email valerian at coffeeis.me or PM me on Facebook. You can find my links to my social media on coffees.me website. On the top menu, just click on My Story, and My Story ends with links to the social media I use. Uh, okay, but this story starts now, and the story is with Rudolfo, who is going to answer your questions from coffees.me Facebook group. We also are going to wander off a little bit to the land where we discuss interesting coffee concepts like bulletproof coffee and even losing weight with green coffee. Do not turn us off. No, no. Just just stay with me. I promise you will like this one. <laughs> Enjoy. So we have this coffees.me Facebook group which you are a member of and you sometimes discuss stuff and people ask questions and you were kind enough not to answer them right away but wait for this podcast. And I'm going to ask you these questions, if it's okay with you. Okay, so first, Joshua Hyman. He's a guy in Holland, actually, a friend of mine. Uh, he repairs roasters, and he roasts himself. He's pretty cool. Dude, he asks if you can send him samples. Uh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> cool, Good Joshua. question. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is a good, you know, I opened this question again because I remember we had this discussion with uh, 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 Jean, 
about sending out samples. And he was saying that he's not very happy to do that because, you know, he doesn't get feedback many times and he, you know, a lot of people ask samples and they just practice roasting. So he's not happy to do that too many times. He's actually thinking to uh, add some cost, you know, like they will have to pay some money, you know, it's a first time uh, mm -hmm. relation. And I remember that when we asked samples from you, I usually get samples to the United States. You said, oh my gosh, that would be very expensive. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, um, go ahead. Uh, well, I, I would say that, um, you know, as a new company and a small company, I definitely have to send out samples. Um, and I don't mind doing that. Um, I think it's a lot of work and you have to find a good shipping company because uh, it can be a nightmare. But, uh, I mean, I, I, you have to do it. Like, unless you're like one of these huge importers that have a well-established name and people have been buying from you for years. So, you know, you can just call them and ask for a certain profile. But I guess, you know, when you're a new guy, like you have to get people to try it. I would never buy samples. I mean, I would never buy coffee without samples. That yeah. just does not make sense, you know. So <laughs> uh, there are a few exceptions when I know the company very, very well. And we need something very unique. And I know that that profile will, that person is talking the same language as I do. Mm -hmm. And we have this established relation, and there's just very few. Uh, it's happened a few times, you know. So I agree with you. The samples have to happen, but I also see the point, Jean's point about uh, no feedback, and it actually happened to me now. So in United States, I do this coffeecourses.com where there are these uh, courses for you know uh, future coffee business people and coffee roasters, and. Some people are like, okay, I, I don't know what, what do I get. So can I get a day uh, trial? And I said, you know what, for now, for a long time, we did not um, offer that. So I, I said, okay, well, I'll give you a day trial. And I give them a day trial. They probably spend 24 hours on the system. Mm. And then they don't come back to me at all. Mm. So I'm like, you know, I, I'm not sure I'm going to do that anymore. Because we do have like free videos. You can check it out. You can try it out. But you don't get the whole concept, obviously, you know. Mm -hmm. So I, I can feel now with John when <laughs> people take something for free from you and mm -hmm. they do not have a gut at least tell you that, you know, I liked it because of this, but I don't have money yeah. or I didn't like it and yeah. I'm not going to pay for this because of this and that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I, I definitely, I would, I would much prefer to hear something like, you know, Rodolfo, your coffee is horrible than to not get any feedback. Mm -hmm. Because, uh, I mean, sometimes you, you get into funny situations, you know, like someone will say, let me cup all your honeys. And then you give them all the samples and then you get an answer like, oh, you know, uh, we like them, but right now we're not looking for any new coffees. You know, and you're like, what? You know? So, yeah, I mean, a, a bit of honesty and just I, I don't mind if you don't like my coffee. You know, it's like, but I'd rather hear that than just wonder what, what happened. Yeah, it's the same. Like, uh, you you want to know if because if you get a negative feedback, and you kind of look into it with your eyes and go, actually, that guy is right. You can improve it. You can fix it. Mm -hmm. So that's really valuable feedback, you know. If but you need that feedback. I agree. Okay, it's from Zeppo. Uh, question: I would like to learn how to network with a coffee farmers. So how can he network with coffee farmers? Hmm. Um, hmm. Uh, huh. 
I, that that's kind of tough because um, that depends. Does he want to network online? Because I would start there, just looking for people like on coffee groups on on Facebook, and just start messaging people, and then you, know, you might develop like a online friendship with someone, and then you go visit them, like we did. Yeah. I didn't visit you, but we developed a relation <laughs> through Facebook, right? Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, I, I think that that would be the easiest way to go because, I mean, telling someone get on a plane and, and you know, drive around doesn't really make sense. And now, you know, we have all these easy ways to communicate. So I, I would definitely start there. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that is a good strategy. I would also recommend LinkedIn groups. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of farmers there. And you know, it's actually a group for uh, farmers, I think. There's a lot of spam on LinkedIn. That's also true. And it's not so uh, monitored and not so vibrant as some of the Facebook groups. But uh, yeah, LinkedIn is also, also an option. I say, I, you know, other thing is that I get a lot of spams on LinkedIn. So <laughs> yeah, but yeah, LinkedIn is also an option. Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, I guess. Are there farmers on Twitter? Um, no idea. I don't. I don't really use Twitter. Instagram. <laughs> Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. So Christopher is asking. I'm really curious about the mechanism of direct import arranged by roaster or farmer. How does one set pricing? How does the grading? Can the roaster suggest different processing for the future harvesting? Hmm, interesting. And is it necessary to uh, do a site visit? A lot of questions. Yeah. Hmm. Um, I, I guess uh, there it depends. I don't, I don't know where to start with that question. Because, well, let's uh, start about the direct import. So if he wants to import directly, what does he have to do? Um, hmm. Well, uh, you know, it, it depends on what country. But um, the exporter will handle all the documents. So... They, they already, you know, they export coffee, they know what they're doing, um, and they will, they will make sure to have all the documents. And then if there's like a specific document that is required by the importing country, then you as an importer should find all that out. But basically, um, you know, it's pretty easy because uh, shipping companies know what they're doing, and you can always get a custom agent to handle all the paperwork in the importing country if you don't want to do it yourself. Mm -hmm. So there's already all these like assistant companies that will help you along the way. So the first thing he would probably find a farmer he wants to buy from. That, yeah, that's connected to an exporter in, in the producing country. So either the a... farmer. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, well, yeah, either the farmer uh, has an exporter's permit or he works with a mill that okay. exports his coffee. So I mm -hmm. guess like the place to start would be finding an exporter in the producing country. Because not all farmers can export themselves. They actually have to have this uh, permit you just said. Yeah. Or they don't, you know, or the, you know, you either you don't have all the equipment to take uh, your cherry all the way to green coffee or, you know, or you don't have the permits because uh, some people have the permits, but they don't have a mill, you know, so they can just send their cherry, pay a mill to do the milling and then they can export it themselves. Mm -hmm. 
So then they probably can ask for a sample. Mm-hmm. Ask for a sample. If you like the sample, um, then yeah, you proceed. And um, I guess like a lot of like big sales happen with, uh, they're called uh, cash against documents. It's a type of contract where um, like, you know, the, the exporter sends the coffee and it lands in the port and, you know, there's like a bank in between so that the documents are not released until the money is there and maybe a sample is approved. So you kind of have a bank going in between doing the exchange between the two people. Cool. So, and how does the price negotiation work? Uh, once you get the sample, you like it, you negotiate the price or is this the price given? Um it, it always varies, I guess, because, you know, the, the producer wants to be like, how much do you offer me? And the importer, you know, is like, how much do you want to sell it for? And yeah, that's sort of where, you know, you negotiate. Okay, so Christopher, you negotiate. <laughs> <laughs> and then, okay, so if Christopher likes the coffee, let's say he loves it, but he would like to suggest a different processing for future harvest, can he do that? Um, yeah, I guess there, there's always a risk in that because, um, you know, let, let's say I've never done a wash process and you ask me to do a wash process and I make a really horrible over fermented cup. Are you still going to buy it? You know, so I, I guess like you would have to iron out those details. Um, I, I would definitely do it. You know, if I, if I, let's say I, I sold you, I sold you a, what was it? A washed coffee. If you wanted the same farm next year done as a natural, done as a honey, we, we could definitely do that. But I guess uh, you, you have to know already that I know how to do those processes and that I'll be able to do it well. Hmm. But you can also do, let's say, a two-year process when in a first year you do an experimental lot. And if that works, you can do next year, repeat it and make a bigger lot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely. Because, um, you know, especially when you're getting into new processes that you haven't done before, you know, you, you don't want to ruin your coffee and nobody will buy it. So it's definitely a big risk in that. So the last question of Christopher is, if you buy from Origin, is a site visit necessary or is it can this be done only via samples and communication through Facebook, for example, or emails? Uh, I, I would definitely encourage people to visit, but um, I mean, you can always just communicate. Like, you know. Okay, cool. So you can do it. No worries. Yeah, you can do the whole thing on email. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Jan has a few questions, but Jan uh, thinks that you actually roast coffee. So let me pick the ones which more apply to your situation. Does comparing beans to other farmers' beans help them to improve the uh, farming method? Does does it actually happen that one farmer compares the cup with other farmer? Uh, hmm. Well, uh, you got to think that a lot of farmers, especially small producers, um, don't really have access to a cupping room. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, you know, let's say like if a mill works with 2000 farmers, 
how, how do you get them all into the cupping room? You know, uh, I, I guess like you start working with certain farmers that you like what they're doing and you start inviting them to cup so that they realize um, and they start learning. But, you know, I think it's a one-on-one thing. Uh, I, I think it would be kind of weird to like bring in two farmers and, you know, tell one like, see, this one tastes way better. Like, you know, I don't know. Um, but definitely like, you know, get, getting farmers to try their coffee is a, you know, because sometimes you're, you're requesting certain things and, you know, you have to make it tangible. So, you know, like what, why am I asking you to pick only ripe cherry, you know, and once they taste like a really underripe coffee and they, they realize that it tastes really crappy and, you know, so like actual experience like that will definitely help a farmer realize why certain things are asked of him. Well, I guess you imagine the situation like United States, you sometimes exchange cookies, you know, one family to another and they go like, okay, give me a recipe and they exchange recipes because they want to improve. So I guess can something like this work uh, between coffee farmers Or does that work? I mean, do they drink coffee? That's the first question, because I know that in many producing lands, the farmers actually do not drink coffee. Mm -hmm. uh, well, you definitely, like, a thing I've noticed, uh, like, with small producers is that they'll keep um, kind of like the, the dry cherry, like the coffee that dried a bit too much in the tree. They'll, they'll keep that to drink themselves. Mm -hmm. I've noticed. And then like some farmers will ask you to mill a little bit of their coffee and give it back to them. And that's what they drink all year. Um, I think it's kind of cool when you're in a producing country because uh, you hang out with your friends and you kind of end up trying each other's coffee. You know, so it's like instead of, oh, I brought this cool roaster. It's like, ah, oh, this, you know, from my friend's farm. And yeah. <laughs> okay. So he already, uh, we already talked about uh, this topic, but he asks, why would you not roast it and sell it like that? So why wouldn't a farmer roast it and sell it? I guess that's the question. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it takes a lot of money to open a roastery and a lot of time and energy. And I, I don't know that if everyone wants to do that mm -hmm. or is able to do that or has the knowledge or access to finance. And skills, marketing, and making a website, sales. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So here is one question which I did not really understand, but it's probably your friend. So uh, Ingri Jonsen, I think that's the right name. She is Norwegian. Jonsen. Uh, I love his graphics for processing and designing focus. People should hear his thoughts on design, I think. So what are your thoughts on design and what, what's this all about? Hmm, okay. Um, I, I think she saw something on, on one of my websites. Um, but I was trying to, when I'm sending out samples, I was trying to find an easy visual way of communicating uh, each coffee. So, you know, the first thing I did, I, I, created, I created three basic shapes. Um, so I think every type of processing would fall into three broad categories, which would be, let's call it a washed coffee, a honey coffee, and a natural coffee. I think, uh, you know, 
as far as I know, all processes would fit into one of those three major categories. So I started out with the honey process, and it was very simple to think of, you know, the shape of the honeybee. Mm-hmm. So that was the first one. And then I thought, okay, then, you know, honey is kind of like in between profile. So if we move towards a natural, you know, that honeycomb shape becomes a round shape, you know. So natural is a circle because you don't the pulpit, so you have the cherry, so it's a circle. And I thought, washed, you know, you're, you ferment it in this tank, so it's a square. So, you know, so the square, as flavor starts evolving, you know, it starts becoming a honey, it starts getting more angles, and, you know, it gets to the round shape of a natural. You know, so with the, each sample, you get like a square, a honeycomb, or a, or a circle. And I guess that, that was the start from there. And then having like... Um, like kind of like a pictograph to represent each farm. Wow. I love this. Where can we see this? Um, it's, uh, I, I think right now it's on, on my German website. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if we could put a link on. Oh, yeah. I yeah. want to put them in the show notes, so no worries. Okay, yeah. Uh, I saw your website. I checked it out. Why is it black? <laughs> I don't know. I, I've lived too much in Berlin, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Why is Berlin black? I don't know. It's a techno apocalypse or something. Mm. I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm, I was just wondering. For me, the black is always associated. I, don't, I have to say I don't like black. I like shades of black. Personally, mm. that's my personal preference. So when I saw your website, I got a bit scared at where did I land it? <laughs> but I love this concept with those uh, symbols. So thank you, Ingrid for uh, asking this question. I would never ask this if I wouldn't know. Okay, so Dan asks, as a coffee farmer, how are mycotoxins in beans prevented? Is it regulated? How is it regulated? How is this regulation monitored? And are mycotoxins in beans tested? Yeah, um, I I really, I mean, if if you're talking about mycotoxins as... um, Mold or mm-hmm. fungus? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hmm. Um, how would you prevent it in processing? Uh, I would say just processing as quickly as possible. Um, you know, because uh, I guess like the advantage of El Salvador is that it's a really small country. So your coffee from a farm to a mill is going to get there fairly quickly. I don't think it would ever take more than two hours from the farm to, to the mill. Mm-hmm. So, um, and there, there was a study like, right. I would have to look into it, but the, I guess there's, there's this thing that can happen in coffee. I don't remember the name right now. And it doesn't really happen in El Salvador because depulping happens so quickly. Um, but I guess like in other places where, um, you know, you have to drive a long way to get to the mill and the coffee might start rotting on the way, or like people that mix, um, you know, that depulp yesterday's coffee along with today's coffee or things like that. I guess that that would create some problems. Okay, so in processing, you have to do a fast processing. That 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 sounds good. So, uh, what do you think about the naturals? Because naturals are not processed that fast. You know, they uh, are drying for what three weeks a month. 
on cherry? Yeah, well, um, there it depends on movement. Mm -hmm. Yes, uh, like you definitely see this. Uh, like, let's say if I would just leave the cherries sitting there and come back a week later, and I guess you you start seeing this like in the after the first week of processing when uh, the outside is already a bit dry, you might start seeing this like white mold develop on the outside of the pulp if you're not moving the coffees. I mean that that's why you know it's for like to have a good to have a good uh drying you have to be constantly rotating the coffee and that's why it's good to do it on raised beds because it gets a lot of air going through it mm -hmm. and it's like a cleaner process so yeah I, I mean I've definitely noticed that if you just you know if someone kind of neglects their naturals you'll get this like white fungus on it mold or whatever it's called so do you have to test before you export the coffee do you have to test for these uh, mycotoxins um you you get like a phytosanitary permit mm -hmm. and that's a part of it yeah okay uh, i know about importing that uh, probably you need to do the same when you import it right you have to do a, a phyto on on the uh, importing side too, or is it, uh, it? It depends on the country because some countries will accept the mm -hmm. the permit coming from the producing country. Other countries require a new one. Uh, it depends. How is it in Europe? Do you need to do it twice or? Uh, well, the European Union with Central America, uh, it, it's it's really easy. Like there's even there's no duties for for green coffee as well. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> I started importing coffee. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but, you know, th th this is a good point. And, you know, I can tell uh, the other part of the question when he says that is uh, myco are mycotoxins uh, being tested? Well, I know that we get in Slovakia, we get random controls uh, from a state body which comes and takes random samples and uh, test it. Mm -hmm. They'd never come, you know, what I mind that they never come back to us with uh, numbers because I would love to see the numbers. They just say yes or no, you know, if it, uh, uh, is it, if, if it's over the limit or under the limit and it never happened that it was over the limit, you know? So, mm. uh, I guess this is the, I hope this answers, but I, I would be really curious. I would really love to test my coffees for mycotoxins and actually give this data to uh, the consumer mm -hmm. because I'm certain that there are other brands who sell coffee and their levels are much, much higher simply because they use crappy coffee, you know? Mm -hmm. So, but, but I guess, um, hmm. I, I guess he might be referring to that okra toxin. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The one? There's okra toxin right. A and B. Yeah. Those are okay. called together mycotoxins. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I thought uh, that also gets roasted out most of it. Well, that's there is two theories. One claims that yes, and I'm not a chemist, so I can just read them and go like, oh, okay. So one says that you know most of it is gone when you roast it, and mm -hmm. other says no, you cannot actually roast them all out. It doesn't work like that. There's still lots left there. So mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, but, but I guess, uh, I mean, I don't know, that, that only happens with like really unclean processes or... Hmm. 
Yes, I think no so. Idea. When you process coffee not properly, and uh, when there are pockets in a coffee where this malt can grow, because it's actually inside of the coffee uh, seed rather than outside. And that's why, Suma- you know, there's a test which some people do, and I learned it from Sweet Marias a long time ago. When we take green coffee and uh, a UV light. Yeah, black light. Yeah. And you, you, you see, you basically uh, light it up. And when the beans are not when just regular, like kind of dark, that's fine. But if they light up like a, you know, like a discotheque, like they line up, <laughs> light up, yeah. then um, that's a potentially, uh, that's a potential place where there's mycotoxins can grow. Mm. So, you know, uh, and that's why when you go through a Sumatra, it's really like, you know, it's, it feels like you're on a discotheque, you know, it just lights everywhere. But if you have a nice coffee and you go through it, there is, you know, hardly any uh, beans like that. Mm. So that's mm. one indicator. It's not, doesn't mean that it's full of mycotoxins. That's an indicator that that coffee might have issues with it. Mm. And okay. I know that there was a test in Czech Republic a few years ago with instant coffees, and they were actually testing ochratoxins. And they found in some insta- instant coffees, the level was higher than allowed in European Union. Hmm. Which is scary because if you think of uh, of an instant coffee, it it's roasted and it goes through another process, right, of heat. So mm-hmm. you really should get rid of almost all of them, <laughs> mm-hmm. theoretically, right? Yeah, but I, I mean, if you've ever seen a sample of green coffee for instant coffee, it's just, you know, the leftovers of the leftovers of the leftovers and... <laughs> Yeah, I, um, I, I know. I'm just saying that, you know, if they got ochratoxin in them. So, you know, I think it would be, you know, there is also the reason why some people want to know nowadays is there's, I, have you ever heard of the bulletproof coffee? Uh, no. Oh, okay. I, they asked me this six months ago and uh, a lot of people started to ask me this and I was like, what the heck is that? So I, I've, I kind of looked it up. So there's a guy not far away from me in Silicon Valley and he has this uh, bulletproof diet, and one of the bulletproof diets is the bulletproof coffee, which is extremely clean coffee. Like mm-hmm. it has zero mycotoxins, whatever. It's extremely clean, and you drink it with uh, coconut fat extract. I forgot what's mm-hmm. exactly called. There's some piece of fat, some part of the fat which you should, you know, drink it with, and butter. So you add that mm-hmm. coconut fat and butter, clear, very clear butter made from uh, cows which were raised on pastures, and that should give you a boost for the day. I cannot right. imagine drinking coffee huh. with butter and uh, coconut thing in it. I yeah. drink them always black. But this is a big thing here, especially CEOs and you know guys who kind of want, want to hack their brains, you know, kind of mm-hmm. unleash the potential of their brains. They drink this. Mm. I'm, I'm looking at it right now. It's, uh, I guess he sells upgraded coffee. <laughs> yeah, that, uh, yeah. He's a marketeer. He is a <laughs> yeah. very, very bright marketeer. I don't know how much truth is in this. I, I really don't know. I mean, there were some people who actually took the effort and blogged three weeks with Bulletproof Coffee. And they said, you know, the first few days they felt great. I guess that's a placebo effect when you, you know, think that something is helping you. It feels like, oh, yeah, it does help me. But after that, they felt like there's no notice except the fact that I'm eating four, five hundred calories in the morning. Sorry, drinking <laughs> four, five hundred calories in the morning. So I don't know. Some people swear by it. You know, I, I, 
for me, it's more interesting from a business perspective that there's a guy who can bring in extremely clean coffee. And again, I did not test that coffee. I don't know if it's really so. Yeah, I wonder <laughs> what he does to upgrade it. Right? Exactly, upgraded upgrade coffee. Yeah. coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the same with the fat. Like you cannot use the regular coconut fat, which I actually love to cook with because it has a high smoke point. But you have to use some polymers from it or whatever. I, I don't know. I'm not. Yeah, I guess he, he sells his brain octane oil. Yes, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> so this uh, will be interesting. Me... Like if you want to, uh, because he's doing, he's big. He has, has a, uh, uh, his own book. And if you want to tap into his market, hmm. I think you can beat him with actually publicizing yours and his mycotoxins. Hmm. Yeah. I, I wonder what happened to all the, like, uh, losing weight with green coffee, <laughs> like that kind of disappeared, no? Or, or is it still going? Oh man, here you know. I'm going to tell uh, the listeners some great tip for marketing. So what happened uh, with us? We got all these requests for uh, green coffee. Ask questions because I have a podcast and I had a lot of videos in Slovakia. Coffee about green coffee. So me and Peter were like, we did not know about this uh, lose weight thing. So we were like, okay, let's put on uh, green, let's sell green coffee because, you know, people want it. So for a while, we thought that these are home roasters, you know. So we thought, okay, there's a big market in Slovakia suddenly for green coffee. Let's start to sell it. So we started to sell it and then people were asking us, okay, you have green coffee. So uh, how can I take it? Do you have it in pills? I was like, pills? What the heck these people want? So we researched it and I was like, ah, okay, these people want to lose weight with green coffee. So what I did, I made a video, how to lose uh, weight with coffee, mm-hmm. with regular coffee. And basically the essence of the video is that I replaced, which was actually true, I replaced my sweets with coffee and that's how I lost a lot of weight. I used to be like over 300 pounds and now I'm like 230, you know. So I lost yeah. a lot of weight, but not only because of that, obviously, but that was one of the tips, what I do. I replace all the sweets with coffee. With, with, with coffee drinks? Yeah, or... just drinking okay. coffee. Yeah. Wow, so because... really caffeinated. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't eat so many sweets, but, you know, what we did, then I published this video and I made an article on that, obviously, on mm-hmm. YouTube. So with Google, we scored on two levels. Now, one level was green coffee because we sold green coffee. And second level, lose weight because of that video, which I made losing weight with coffee. Not green mm-hmm. coffee, coffee, like drinks. So, so, we, so you ne- never wanted to make the pill? No, 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 no. We never <laughs> want, no, no. But we got tons of people coming to our website. We really like it. Like ruled the Google for a long time on a keywords green coffee lose weight. Mm. So and you know normally I would not recommend this because after this we got tons of emails that oh can I grind that green coffee? Can you grind it for me? How much green coffee shall I use in my drinks when I want to lose weight? And Peter, <laughs> who answers most of these requests, he said this was the stupidest idea ever. You know, it's like I get all these like lose weight, you know, requests uh. and. But it was a, it, for me, it was a great, because I'm a nerd, you know, and I like to do these uh, marketing things. So I was a g- great experiment and it worked. Yeah, definitely a good keyword there. Yeah, but it's useless for us because people were not buying the roasted coffee. People were interested. And yeah. actually, some people bought the green coffee and they asked us, you know, how they should uh, you know, process it, what they should do with it. I was like, well, mm-hmm. roast it. And they're like, what do you want to lose weight with it? I said, well, actually, that doesn't really work. You know, there's scientific research now that it actually helps you to gain weight. But mm. just 
tiny bit. It's like, like you know, it doesn't make any difference, by the way, if you drink it or not. But if you really go deep into that, it actually helps you to metabolize something faster so you gain weight, you know, if you... Yeah, I, I kind of read, like, the chlorogenic acid binds to your fat. Yeah. So, yeah, it just goes through your system, something like that. I don't know. But, hey, but go, going back to that point, because you mentioned you were selling... You're selling green coffee for the home roaster market. We used to. Okay. Do you think there's there's a market for that in Europe or it's mostly a US thing? You know, the thing is that there is a market, but the problem with Europe is that it's, you know, if I sell coffee to Germany, I have to pay very, the shipping is extremely expensive. Mm-hmm. So as Slovakia as a market for green coffee is too small, it would not, you know, we would not make a living. We actually canceled it simply because mm-hmm. we sell out so fast with coffee, we grossed it, so we, we don't see a point to sell green coffee anymore. And, okay. you know, we always have to invest in new coffee and our money is always out, you know, in, in green coffee. So we don't, we want to make most profit on roasted rather than green. Mm-hmm. But there was a company in Holland um, gosh, what was it? And I bought my first home roaster in 2001 from him. And he catered to the European home roasters. Mm-hmm. You know, and I bought from him Alpen Roast. I don't know how long you are in a coffee, but in 2001, that was a hot home roaster. Now it would be considered a shit because it's, you know, it was pretty bad. You couldn't see what you roast. It just, you know, it has a heating element and a drum. And you covered it, and you did not know what's happening inside. Had no clue. It had no window. You couldn't take out samples. Nothing. Hmm. Just something happened. That's how I started. But, you got to start somewhere. Yeah, but he sold green coffees and home roasters. Okay. brand, something like that in Holland. Huh. But, you know, again, the shipping is so expensive. Mm-hmm. So, you know, between countries, which is... Re- Once Europe will resolve this, I think that, you know, that would be great that would be awesome because i can sell my coffee anywhere in europe for, because mm-hmm. you know europeans will not pay 15 euros for shipping 250 grams of coffee to them you know yeah that's just crazy that's why uh coffee clubs are interesting People yes they, get, get yeah. together yeah yeah uh i we tried coffee clubs uh they never came back to us they asked for a lot of samples we were happy to send it because it was something new and but they never came. They they said that oh they love the samples and uh, we will work together. And since then it's quiet. <laughs> so I don't know. Mm. All right. There's a lot of great information, especially about uh, how to lose weight with. <laughs> uh, yeah. So thank you so much for this interview. Well, thank you for interviewing me. So this is it, the interview with Rodolfo Rufati Butler. I hope you enjoyed it. I had a blast of the time. Thank you, Rodolfo, for joining us and sharing your knowledge and know-how. In the next episode, I'm going to have a very special guest, Henry Wilson from Perfect Daily Grind. If you fall from the moon and you do not know what Perfect Daily Grind is, well, surf it up. It's a magazine, online magazine for coffee lovers, but also for coffee professionals. And with Henry, we are going to talk about the social media and how can you improve your businesses, you know, some cool social media strategies, because man, Henry is doing an amazing job with that. So talk to you very soon. Have a great one. Bye.